Old Guard versus New Blood, episode 28, Machine Learning for SEO. Hi, I'm David Bain, your temporary host, while Dixon demonstrates that you can't be in two places at the same time. Welcome to episode 28 of Old Guard versus New Blood, the show brought to you by Majestic.com, mapping the web to help you, the SEO, dominate your market. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the biggest podcast platforms. So if you want to watch the next episode live, just sign up at majestic.com slash webinars. Already got some people watching us live. Simon Cox is saying hello, folk. Hello, Simon. Great to have you on board. If you're watching us live as well, try and uh, mutter some words in the comments and we'll try and incorporate um, whatever you're saying, even if it's just an applause. Hi, Daniel, um, in the chat there. And um, we're going to have a great discussion. Um, today, we're going to be discussing how Google is using machine learning to improve its search results. So that impacts SEO and um, what you can be doing with machine learning to maximize the output of your current SEO activities. Joining me today are three great panelists. So in traditional Dixon tradition, uh, let's find out who they are by seeing if they can remember their panelist numbers and saying, panelist number one, what's your name and where do you come from? My name is Lazarina Stoy. I'm an SEO and data science manager at Intrepid Digital and I come from Sofia, Bulgaria. Superb stuff. Lazarina, thanks so much for joining us. Panelist number two. I'm Jess Peck. I work uh, doing machine learning operations at uh, local SEO guide. I'm originally from the UK, but I live in Boston now. Welcome from Boston. Welcome from wherever in the world you happen to be watching this. <laughs> and panelist number three, what's your name and where do you come from? Hi, I'm Susan Connolly. I'm a senior product uh, technical manager at Milestone, uh, which is a technology company located in Silicon Valley. And I am located right now in Scottsdale, Arizona, and have actually come from the East Coast uh, outside of Philadelphia. Pennsylvania. Well, there we go. We've got three wonderful panelists today um, talking about machine learning for SEO. So it's probably good if we start off with focusing on Google and, and getting a feel for how Google is using machine learning at the moment to improve its search results. So let's go back to Lazarina. Uh, Lazarina, how, how would you describe Google at the moment in terms of what they're doing just now to use machine learning? I'd say getting better. I would describe them as getting consistently better with how they're using machine learning. Um, they are doing a lot of stuff with um, video, uh, recognizing key moments, uh, you know, using neural networks to match particular topics and subtopics to the query of the person using natural language understanding, BERT is getting better and better. If I have to pinpoint uh, something that I'm not um, as confident in that would be uh, search engine result pages in different languages. I would be very interested to know in the future, in a few um, couple of years, how that improves and uh, would that ever reach the extent that, uh, you know, English uh, search engine result pages have uh, reached. Well, why is that, would you say? Well, why is Google not necessarily as effective at other languages apart from English? Is it because there's not as much data there for it to learn from? Yeah, so fundamental problem in machine learning, your model is only as good as your data. So uh, I'm not as um, 
you know, in the weeds with uh, particular research that is being done. I know that there's quite a lot of research being done in multiple languages. So there is developments in recent years um, with regards to that. But um, historically, there is a lot more data in English um, and a lot more data that is, uh, you know, in a format that is uh, usable for machine learning models in English. So uh, I think that is the, uh, you know, problem. And also the fact that English is, uh, you know, a language that is spoken widely. Um, and, you know, um, at the end of the day, that is the focus of Google, at least from what I'm understanding, but I might be completely wrong. So <laughs> please, uh, other panelists, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, that, that's my hypothesis. Oh, Simon Cox saying Google's not that good at English either. It gives me American English results. Tut. Well, I think we've got a bit of a mix of uh, American English, British English and other English uh, going on here today as well. I, I um, come under the other English um, category. Uh, Jess, um, what's your interpretation of what Google, how Google SERP maybe has changed over the last few years because of machine learning and perhaps is currently changing, evolving at the moment because of machine learning? So I think it comes down to we know what Google wants to do, or at least what they say they want to do, which is serve awesome content. Um, and I think the way they're trying to use machine learning is to serve, to create SERPs that are useful and good without having to rely on the kind of methods that they've traditionally used to figure out if content is good or not. Um, and I think when that comes to SERPs, they're using more and more uh, natural language processing to collate and uh, bring together data to surface like things like quick answers or comparison or try and figure out which bits of different sites are the best or the best to display. Um, and I think that's just um, like uh, Google doesn't like to be embarrassed. And sometimes the sites that they surface are embarrassing to them. Like they have bad information or uh, not good results or are garbage or just clickbait. Right. Um, and I, so I think that Google is trying to steer SERPs in a way where they can kind of control the flow of information a bit better and don't end up being embarrassed in one way or another. You know, they don't want to end up with New York Times headlines saying Google surfaced a terrible result and like, here's the result of that. Mm. Like They can blame the, the machines instead. <laughs> exactly. You, it's completely out of human hands. They can kind of be like, they, they also, you know, SEOs manipulate searches manipulate the search results it's what we do and if they can just be like make awesome content and we'll surface it because we have machine learning that does that that takes a lot of the liability out of the hands of the seo google um and doesn't necessarily mean the results are better it just means like fewer humans have manipulated them or at least they can say that right and that's that's um a hot topic at the moment certainly to actually try to ensure that the content that is being read is um f first of all um I, I mean not necessarily unbiased um but um different arguments or if there is an alternative argument or um view in place then that article can also be um easily discovered as well um Perhaps another topic by itself. Uh, Susan, is 
does machine learning mean that Google is delivering a better SERP experience nowadays? Uh, well, I think for sure it's going to be delivering a better experience as we talk about um, the changes in the search landscape and how uh, all of this uh, machine learning being used by Google is kind of being translating into different areas of search. Uh, what Google's doing is kind of understanding a lot better, not only just what types of searches to surface by intent, and really looking at if you're searching for a red lipstick, for example, um, are you looking at it because you want to learn information about the content specifically and learn tips and tricks? Or are you looking for it because you want to purchase that? And I think that you know what Google's doing is really looking at the searches before you get to this to Google as well, as well as within within the search rankings to say, okay, can we understand a little bit more about this user? Can we combine different types of data sets to understand a little bit more about them so that we could deliver them the right experience and the right search results for a particular time? So I think that you know everything from images to video, uh, understanding more about the contents on the pages, all of those things in context, not, not just what's on the page, but the context of those pages is going to allow you know, searches to become a lot more personalized into the future. Great. Okay. Well, you certainly mentioned many things there as well, starting off in, with intent and talking about content and um, uh, other areas as well. Um, so I guess machine learning then gives Google the opportunity to probably incorporate more signals into their algorithms to um, make a more nuanced decision as to what content is right for each individual. Um, I'd like to watch um, anyone watch, uh, ask anyone watching live, um, are you actively using um, machine learning in a way that you deal with your own SEO activities at the moment? If so, um, what are you using machine learning for just now? So share that, that in the chat um, if you can, but let's move the conversation on to what SEOs can be actively doing at the moment if they're not actively using machine learning at the moment. Um, Susan, you, you started off with intent. You also talked about content and other things there as well. Um, how would you recommend that SEOs get started with machine learning? Well, I think one of the biggest things is having a really good base in analytics. So you should be not only just looking at analytics, but understanding what metrics make changes. So like if you're, if you're making a change to a piece of content, what specifically have you changed in the kind of recording and, and storing all of that analytics data? Um, so for the most part, I would say that for very first thing that you should be doing is learning as much as you can about analytics data. And then as much as you can, just about the very basics of how do you take that data and make meaningful stories out of it. Uh, and some of that is very, you know, going into the Google Analytics data forums, um, kind of seeing what other people are doing as far as how to take in and adjust data, how to pivot data, store it, uh, and retrieval, which is all a lot just to get started with. Uh, I myself, I've been taking some classes over at Stanford University, so I definitely recommend they have some free classes that are online available via YouTube, and they can get you started in just the basic processes to start to gain an understanding of just how it's being used. Because once you understand how it's being used as a technology, then I think it starts to open your mind. Oh, I can do this with SEO or I can change meta titles easily or I could use this to uh, you know, change a piece of content. Uh, so it starts to open those minds when you're just, just having the initial just basic understanding 
of how it kind of works together. So Luke's saying that um, he uses uh, machine learning for natural language classification to improve content tagging and entity matching. Uh, Lazarina, Susan mentioned there uh, to dive into your analytics initially. Uh, what um, areas within an analytics tool like Google Analytics would you recommend that an SEO focuses on in order to see what areas they can actually get started with machine learning? That's super interesting uh, what Susan said, because I actually have a totally different approach when I'm using machine learning. Um, but like to answer your question, David, I would say um, perhaps like if you are, depending on the size of the client that you have, if you're working for a very big enterprise organization that has a lot of historic data, the easiest, uh, most beginner-friendly project that you can do is doing forecasting. And that's something that is also very valuable for the organization. And then if you want to, uh, you know, um, take into consideration all the things that are happening in the SEO industry and typically why most people don't want to do forecasts or things like uh, algorithm updates, external events, you can start digging into neural networks with your forecasting in order to actually incorporate all of these different effects and the different, um, you know, um, the effect on the data that they have for your particular site. Um, I would say that would be kind of where I would start if, if you have to limit me just to Google Analytics data and if I'm a beginner. Um, but my, um, my approach and maybe the way that I personally have gotten started with machine learning and SEO was just, uh, first of all, understanding um, that what machine learning can do. Um, and that means uh, seeing different projects that people are doing, uh, maybe reading a little bit more about what different machine learning tasks are out there, and then trying to find the opportunity to implement that. And even just a small project, something that you're working on. And to me, uh, very contradictory to a lot of people that do machine learning and SEO, I would say that you don't have to start necessarily with the coding. You don't have to start with, you know, understanding how everything works. You just have to kind of start testing things and breaking things and, you know, just trying to uh, get some impact out of it. Because once you do that and once you, uh, for instance, classify a bunch of keywords using GPT-3 or whatever else it may be, that is, you know, you can do in literally less than 10 minutes. Um, if when you start doing that and you start finding those little opportunities, then you actually start to develop a passion for it. And once you, you have that in you, you're constantly going to be looking for ways to do more complex things. And you're going to start uh, branching out into Python SEO. You're going to start branching out into more complex automations, building your own systems, connecting uh, app script, connect connecting Google Sheets, connecting Google Tables, which is something I discovered like a month ago and I didn't know existed maybe some people in the chat are going to be like I, I cannot believe you didn't knew this um, but yeah like just uh, just uh, get your hands dirty uh, is my is my uh, kind of tip for people that are just starting out uh, it doesn't have to be a super complex project it can just be something super simple but uh, you know if you can deliver the impact through it uh, nobody's ever going to ask like show me your script or how did you learn this? Uh, they're just going to be interested in, you know, hearing the story behind it. So there are many things that you mentioned there that I would like to dive into, but uh, it's not just a discussion with uh, Lazarina. And also, Lazarina, you mentioned that you've got a slightly different perspective or way of doing things compared with Susan. Um, if you don't necessarily agree with another panellist, jump in, shout and say you oh, disagree. Yeah. Feel free to do that. I completely <laughs> think Susan's approach is amazing. I just feel like my personality 
photography needs instant quick results <laughs> and Susan's approach is so like theoretically uh you know founded and you know super long-term and definitely a lot more sustainable but I just had a different uh perspective that doesn't mean I disagree absolutely okay well just just before we delve into Jess's perspective on maybe uh, how to get started with machine learning um I just want to delve slightly deeper into one thing that you said, Lazarina, and you said dig into neural networks with your forecasting. What does that mean in practice? Uh, so anytime that you're building a model from scratch, which is not as often, at least like I don't do it that often, maybe Jess does it a lot more often than I do. Um, but if you are uh, building a neural network or like using neural networks in your um, machine learning model, uh, you can provide different parameters based on the data set that you have. Uh, so for instance, you can... Um, you can essentially say uh, at what uh, extent or like um, what weight do you want to give to certain things that are happening. Uh, and this is not a project that I have personally done. I have done neural networks back in the day in university. Um, but if you are interested in doing, um, you know, a little bit more advanced modeling, I think that that is the, you know, way to go because uh, this is something that, uh, you know, uh, Google is using as well. But uh, yeah, if, if I were to be limited with Google Analytics data, I would definitely look into, you know, if you have the data set that is big enough to do neural networks, which is, mind you, that is a million pages and like literally no less than 10 years of this site being up and running and things like that, like high traffic. Uh, I would definitely look into this uh, as kind of like the machine learning modeling that you can do. Uh, you also mentioned the importance of um, using machine learning to classify keywords. So uh, hopefully we can park that thought and actually get back to it uh, in a little bit. But um, let's go to Jess. Jess, what are your thoughts about how to get started with machine learning for SEOs? Um, I'm kind of, I feel like I've got kind of an approach between Lazarina and Susan where I'm like, You've just got to kind of get started, but it is good to have like a theoretical approach. It's good to have, um, I've some software engineering kind of not background necessarily, but to get some of that experience just so you understand how the data you're piping in is going to affect the results and how to clean that data and that kind of thing. Um, I think the best way to get started with machine learning, especially in SEO, is to find look at places where there are going to be patterns that machines can see that humans can't and try and find those patterns. Because machine learning is all about that kind of pattern recognition and Google is using it to do that pattern recognition. So there is a perspective that you can get from machines that you can't get from people. And that can be keyword clustering. That can be, um, I mean, it could even be like just simple data analysis and pattern matching with content, just being like, I'm going to TFIDF these, this, this text and see what the results are. Um, you know, I'm going to pull all of the entities from the Google top 10 results for a keyword I'm looking at and compare them and see if my page is missing a bunch of entities that all of the competitors who are beating me have. Um, it's 
I think you can get started with code or you can get started just by using like the libraries that exist and things like Streamlit. Um, there's, there's a lot of flexibility out there. Jess, can any size of website harness machine learning or is it something that's only appropriate for sites of um, a million pages plus you know, or, or can a site with just 100 pages on it actually use machine learning? Is it worthwhile using it for that size of site? So... It dep- I think it's all cost-benefit analysis. Um, if you have 100 pages, but there are 100 pages that you would really like to be ranking um, pretty high and you're in a competitive niche, you should definitely try using machine learning to kind of see what patterns you are missing. I think like if you have a hobby site and you don't want to use machine learning in on, on it, you don't have to, right? Like... It's not a must-have necessarily, but it can give you a competitive edge. And if you're trying to seek out as many competitive edges as possible, machine learning is definitely one of them that can really have cool dividends. So another phrase that crops up is natural language processing. And I think a lot of SEOs will be aware of that phrase, but not necessarily know exactly what it means and how it can really benefit what they do. I'm just looking at faces here as who to ask this question to. Uh, Who wants to talk about natural language processing to begin with? Uh, So historically, computers are really bad at understanding language, right? Uh, You look back, beginning search engines, uh, Google even, are basically exact matching. Um, Does it have all of these words on this page? Then I'm pretty sure it's good. And we've kind of moved from that into natural language processing, which is which is a kind of grouping of the methods and algorithms to try and understand how human beings naturally speak and naturally type, and then <clears throat> creating nodes and paths to understand that and apply it to com- uh, let computers comply it to let computers apply it to understand language. Um, so, you know, uh, we talk about BERT a lot recently. That was a big thing uh, recently. And that's a way of letting computers understand sentences in ways that go forward and back. Um, it's letting computers understand context and slang and subtlety and the way words interact with each other, not just, I see this sentence, I don't know what it means, but it also applies over here and that kind of easy pattern matching. Okay, okay. Um, So Susan, I mean, it's it's about um, understanding the relationships, I guess, with different different texts published in different places. Um, How can an SEO practically make use of that to improve their rankings? Um, well, one of the things that we talk a lot about is uh, using the knowledge graph. So I think that you know Google does have a database API access that allows you to take a look at what is existing in that knowledge base. In addition, it's good to see uh, you know what other data points are there other specific data points. So say if you have like a travel site, and you might want to focus on well, let's just do hotels because Google has the most natural language processing information storage on on that particular uh, 
niche. But as we talk, look about, uh, you know, having some understanding of those specific hotels uh, information and looking to see what other data statistics are out there. And then if I'm writing a example, would be like if I'm writing a travel guide or a travel blog, what are specific data metrics that people are searching for that's already existing out there? So like if you're using or featuring a map, like you can get nearby walking distance and you can get uh, nearby landmarks and attractions. Uh, You can get uh, a lot of information as far as people will see, you know, uh, different answers information such as FAQ queries and, and things that people are asking for uh, and what those tops understandings are. So as an SEO, I think that's a really great project is to take a look at a page and say, you know, what is some existing content that would enhance this page and what is existing that's out there that we can kind of draw in and then kind of filling in the blanks to say, all right, now we have a good idea of some of that automated, the automated aspect of it. Now we can fill it in with an actual person going through that content and we'll get a lot better of that combination of like what works from the machine standpoint, but also from a user having that final review of going through that content. Okay, great. So uh, I guess we're using machine learning to analyze um, what other similar websites rank out there, um, have a look at their pages, see how many words, see the the, the format of the pages um, that also exist in relation to those queries and then feed you back some advice in terms of what you need to do differently to give yourself a better opportunity to rank for those keywords as well, which I guess brings us up into the content that's written um, on those pages. Can we trust the machines to actually write the content as well? Lazarina, what are your thoughts on that? Um, are machines good enough to write content now? You ask me this every time I come on this podcast. <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> yeah. My response has not changed since the past two times. So I think no, but there is this big, this but is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and I will, I will tell you why, in my opinion. I can, uh, what Susan said, uh, 100%. Like if you can use uh, publicly available APIs to get data and you know, uh, combine this with first party data that you have on the website, you can build literal hundreds of pages that are programmatically generated. Um, and, you know, this is a super scalable automated content system uh, and it doesn't involve any sort of uh, writing. Uh, I do apologize for some yelling, by the way. Um, so, and it doesn't involve any sort of writing by uh, an AI model like GPT-3, GPT-J or um, any sort of equivalent. Um, from another point of view, if you have um, the parameters that you want uh, the model to be written with, you can provide very strict restrictions on what kind of content you want. And even if you can break it down by paragraph, if you can break it down by different sections, what each section has to cover, then that also allows you to build very, very scalable uh, page templates or content briefs that then you can provide just for an editor to review, uh, which again provides a lot of opportunity, um, not only for small sites, but also for sites like uh, like Susan mentioned in the travel niche that you can build like neighborhood guides or even real estate and things like that. So lots of opportunity there. 
I wouldn't just put it on autopilot and forget about it. Although I'm sure that there are a lot of SEOs that are doing this at the moment and they're just waiting patiently to reveal their case studies of how they made a million dollars using GPT-3. I am sure there are. Um, but I just think that, uh, you know, at some point, um, you know, Google is going to be uh, smart enough to recognize that, or at least I'm hoping. Uh, and uh, once that happens, you don't want to be on the wrong side. Um, it's it's kind of like a, 10 years ago when it was like black hat link building. And, you know, like at some point, uh, you know, the algorithm comes in and you're just like, oh, my God, I just lost my livelihood. And it's like, you know... <laughs> This, to 10 you years ago plus this is coming. yeah it's, you should have known um so, Lazarina, so yes. i'm going to keep on asking you that question as well so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll see how your opinion change changes over the years um susan do you agree disagree oh i was just going to say one of the big things i think that a lot of seos are talking about right now is the fact that john Mueller came out and said you know basically that they are not you know, they're not in, a, in the fan point of looking at content from an AI perspective. I think that, you know, I agree with what Lazarina said, so as far as it being a long way off. So I think we are a long way off for that content to be completely customizable as far as that. But I think that, you know, when I'm talking to other SEOs and other people that are in the industry, like, like she says, that window is getting smaller and smaller and the content is getting smarter and smarter. And so while I think that it's, you know, Google has come down and said this, the idea is that you won't be able to distinguish the difference, right? So that's where people are kind of waiting to get to is where you can create that content and it has a story and the pieces that are collecting in an automated way, but that there is no difference. And, and as she said, you know, you definitely wouldn't want to set it and then let. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, rather than the window getting smaller and smaller, is it not maybe the shade of grey in SEO getting lighter and lighter. And perhaps you can get away with um, using machines to write certain elements within pages that um, aren't massively high trafficked. And perhaps you could do things like having the initial couple of paragraphs or section of a page written by a human. But if you decide that it needs additional content then perhaps automating the creation of content for lower down on the page. Jess, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, 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 am, uh, I have like three conflicting thoughts on this. Uh, my thought one is please don't, please don't use AI, please don't use machine learning to make content. It sucks. You know, I hate, I, I know people are already doing it and I hate when I search for something and like the first like there's programmatic result like i search for a lot of uh code related stuff for my my day job and there are sites that just scrape stack overflow and then spin it using sometimes machine learning and you can tell and it isn't good content and it's just the same result 10 times but in different ways and i i want a human to have like looked at it so that's my personal, like, please, please don't. But then point two is, you know, people are already spinning content. People are already writing kind of crappy SEO content and getting it to rank, right? Like we can, we can admit that here. Um, and we've all done a Google search and been like, this is, this is terrible. Why, why am I looking at this? So I don't know if a, a well-trained, AI 
content spinner is all that different from I paid someone like 20 cents for a hundred words. So they just kind of wrote stuff because I'm, they're underpaid and overworked and I'm just trying to make as much content as possible. Um, like I think another aspect of this though, is that people have been doing automated content and ranking and it's actually pretty okay in niches where it makes sense. So stock prices and stock sites do a lot of content spinning and do a lot of like just looking at the stock and being like, this stock went up. Uh, this is why we think the stock went up. You should buy it, not buy it. And they can do that without a human <laughs> involved at all. And it is actually useful content because it is observing something automatic saying, this is what we see with it, putting it in a human readable format and then, like people have alerts on their phones for those kinds of articles and a human wasn't there at all. Um, and I actually have a, a fourth aspect of this, which is also all of this technology look can look really impressive, but have a lot of cognitive biases baked in. Like we were talking about language. Um, a lot of these were developed in Mountain View or in California by a bunch of uh white dudes who speak English, like, um, and nothing wrong with being a white dude who speaks English, but it means that if you're building something, you may not see some of the content come in or some of the data that you're building your machine around have biases. That, that's scary. I, I mean, machine learning, obviously, by by its nature, looks at looks at what's happened in the past, what currently exists, and attempts to make sense of that, and perhaps create something based upon that. Um, how do you remove those cognitive biases to to try to ensure that there's um, as true a representation um, of of what's happening, of what's what what is what is the truth within the content that you're producing? I mean, like. At the moment, it seems like everyone's way of doing that is I'm just going to let my algorithm go wild and let people use it. And then someone on Twitter will be like, hey, I used GPT-3 and got a lot of racist stuff. And then they go, oh, wait, that wasn't supposed to happen. We didn't want that to happen. It's like, uh, so they go back and fix it once the problems have been pointed out to them. So you really need to be QAing. You need to clean your data um, if you are building stuff, right? You need to be have a data pipeline that understands that it is building on things that already exist and then understand the flaws of things that already exist. If you are using algorithms that someone else made, which probably you are because the best ones are the ones that someone else made, you still need to be aware of these biases. Like if you are a site, if you run a site that talks about historical events or talks about diversity and inclusion, do not just spin stuff up with an algorithm someone else made because you could get in real big trouble real quick. I'm talking about QAing. Uh, Simon Cox said, how about AI writing content um, that is then edited by humans? Um, so... Is, is, that, is that a reasonable solution there, Susan? I, I see you nod, nodding your head there. Yeah, I think that, you know, as, as I mentioned, if you're going to use some of these sources and data sources to create content, then 
the last step is to have a queue and have a team of editors that are going to go through that content. Um, as uh, Lazarina has mentioned, you definitely don't want to launch it without having some editors go through all of that content and look and observe and read through all of that content for sure. Um, and I've had sites, uh, I've worked with clients and sites who, who have launched uh, content and where while it wasn't necessarily the automation of the content and the, the data from, from that content, but, uh, you know, even if you're you're creating that content, you want to make sure that it's actually rendering as it's supposed to. So you want to check to make sure it's formatted correctly and it's grammatical and it reads like a person does. And I really think that saves a lot of time for a lot of clients that so they're able to create the overall ar arching of that content and then just have an editorial team really go through and provide and make sure that it does resonate with the, with the consumer. Yeah, the, the quality of these types of machines are, are improving all the time. I, I, in the last year or so, I've been using um, automated transcripts services. And even now, compared with a year ago, the quality of what's being produced is absolutely incredible. It's just, just getting better all the time. Uh, one other word that we've discussed um, today has been intent. Um, Lazarina, you talked about classifying keywords. Uh, can you also classify keywords for intent using machine learning? Yeah, absolutely you can. Um, but again, like uh, depends on how good the output is going to be and how much data you can provide for, um, you know, the, like the examples of what you're going to give. Uh, so if you are building your own custom model, um, it, it requires a lot of data in order to learn what actually is informational intent, what is transactional intent. There are a few different models that you can use, such as Naive Bayes. That's like one of the most super rudimentary, easy to implement type of models that's rule-based. Uh, so rule-based means essentially the same thing that you can do in Excel or Data Studio, where you say if it contains this and this words uh, or a similar type of word like these, uh, then uh, it is informational. So for instance, if it's what, why, how, or whatever, uh, then it's that. Um, but more advanced models would like to look into the nuances of things, uh, incorporate synonyms, incorporate uh, you know, other things that are more important uh, into how we actually classify intent um, and things uh, as well, like what, what is the niche, like what is the context and things, um, which... I have not actually seen uh, done that well. I have actually experimented with using GPT-3 to classify keywords based off intent, and it genuinely works really, really well. You can also um, classify keywords using GPT-3 uh, if you provide sufficient examples based off of whether they are um, you know, part of the industry or not, like uh, if they are related to your uh, kind of subject category or your site. Um, you can do all sorts of things. But uh, again, the limitation, as just said, that this is a pre-trained model. So the customizations that you might uh, want to achieve with it uh, are very limited. So, Susan, um, are we going to get to a stage fairly soon where machine learning is all we need to classify keywords for intent? Or will we always, uh, at least for the next few years, require human input on that. One of the most interesting things that I've seen is there, there's a lot of companies that are doing supervised learning for intent. So they're taking uh, it a first step further. So 
uh, an example would be if you want are worried a little bit about that modeling as far as from the the consumer standpoint, you can bring different audiences in, different age groups, different uh, demographics, uh, and you can do some supervised learning and start to have people search for particular products. Uh, in the, it's it's I've been in digital marketing for almost twenty years, and one of the things that we did a lot, you know, was uh, you know bringing people in. And doing similar tactics as far as, uh, you know, saying if the site navigation structure works well or, you know, how does a user in a different age group or different audience type get to the site and kind of navigate through um, your website. So I think that uh, as far as uh, intent goes, I think that that's kind of the perspective that Google is also taking, though they haven't gotten to the level of I'm not sure how much level they are looking at demographics and things like that, but uh, that kind of opens it up into really being able to get more specific for the audience types that we're that are kind of searching for that information. So that's where uh, I, you know people always complain about it, but I like it when I get the requests on you know social media sites or Facebook sites or things like that. Sometimes when it works well, that is kind of like understanding what you're looking for before you're looking for it um kind of modeling that is coming soon and is being used in the in the industry right now let's try and cover one more question uh would you recommend machine learning for identifying images in order to generate alt text for them uh well i think it's it's a very good first step when you have like a lot of images to tag uh, again, same approach applies here. You cannot just run a model. And by model, I mean Microsoft Vision API is one API that you can use for, uh, you know, generating captions for images. I know Google has one. Amazon has one. Um, but at this point, uh, there should be someone that actually goes through and provides a, a sufficient context because most of the time the uh, alt text that you're going to get from a model like that would be something like, man in a picture <laughs> which is obviously not enough like <laughs> it's not enough uh, sometimes it might be okay at least in order to um, identify what is a graphical element which we know they they don't need alt tags um, but what is actually an image that is visual that has a lot of things going on um, and in some cases you know with every image recognition API you might also come to the point where you know a cat is recognized as something totally different and you need to have someone to actually you know go through that and see if it makes sense um, from what I know especially with projects like this um, it's always good to have a starting point because the whole exercise seems less daunting even if it means you have to edit it out and enhance it it's always better to enhance it than to give someone a spreadsheet with two million images and say go tag that like nobody nobody likes to do this and nobody wants to do this task uh, so I think it's good to have uh, kind of like a starting point using machine learning, but then from that, you need the human input. Superb stuff. Now, we're getting lots of comments and questions in at the moment. You've got to get your questions in earlier. <laughs> we don't know if we can cover them all just now, but uh, it's great to see so much interaction there as well. Um, I just want to finish up by asking everyone, what's one thing that SEOs need to be using machine learning for right now? Perhaps it's something that they're doing manually at the moment or using some other tool to do just now, but it's a fairly auto, uh, it's a fairly manual thing that they're doing just now. Um, so 
Jess, shall we um shall we go to you? What what's one thing that SEOs need to be using machine learning for right now and it's a much more efficient thing to be doing? Keyword classification and cleaning up your keywords and the data that you use. Um you can use you can split it up using different like ngram methods and just k means it and get clusters without and then you can just explore it a lot more quickly. Um you can also just use some like general data science and clean out stuff you don't care about. And uh, it will make your life so much easier once you have everything like tagged and clustered for you and you don't have to scroll through 10 million rows of data to try and figure out what you want. Great stuff, Jess. Thank you. And um, Chris is just saying in the chat, didn't catch Lazarina's MSAI suggestion. Do you want to repeat that, Lazarina? Uh, yeah, Microsoft has a vision. A Microsoft vision API is the, the suggestion. Uh, for Microsoft, but I know Google has one, Amazon has one. There are plenty of uh, captioning APIs if you are looking to go down that route. Lazarina, um, I might actually just um, throw you by asking uh, Noor's question instead of actually um, what's one thing that SEOs need to be doing just now, because I'm sure you'll be able to handle that one as well. And that's how to learn machine learning for SEO. What's one good resource that you could point people to? Oh, one good resource. That is hard uh, to think from the spot. Okay, 510. Okay, 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 let's go with a few. Definitely start looking at code as early as possible. So if you have a particular model or task that you want to do, you have to break down the task in the terms that machine learning developers use. Uh, So if it's, uh, for instance, generating content, then it is, uh, you know, what kind of algorithm is it? What are the big players in the market? How you can get started? From then, I would say, like, maybe read a paper or two. They're not that daunting, I promise. Look at the code. And then if there are any sort of tools developed with that, if you have any no-code alternatives, go down that road. Uh, If you are a beginner, of course. Um, But if not, and you want to go in the deep straight away, uh, then Stack Overflow is going to become your best friend. And uh, just search whatever you want to do, plus the keyword tutorial, and just, uh, you know, wrap your head around four hours of troubleshooting and error handling and then repeat the process maybe a few different times and you're gonna get it for sure thank you and susan um i'll give you a choice of either two questions to answer one is either if you can share another resource that lazarina hasn't mentioned and that an seo can find out more about machine learning for seo or on the other hand what's one thing that an seo needs to automate now because what they're doing manually just now is just not cutting it? Um, I think that, uh, you know, as far as learning more, uh, there's some great courses that are on Coursera. I know that they're free, uh, which is always great to start learning because I know that when I started learning, I didn't want to make that commitment until I could figure out if I could start to understand some of these processes. So getting a lot of those free courses available uh, in addition, uh, I think that starting with the APIs and starting, even if you're starting with Google Sheets, um, starting to look at what APIs are out there and just play with bringing in the data and kind of taking a look and seeing what's available. Um, and then, as I mentioned, just having some kind of idea from an analytics perspective. Uh, one of the things that SEOs don't do that often, which I'm always surprised about, is uh, 
as you're executing meta titles and meta descriptions, as you're creating contents and changes, uh, just start storing like those changes. So if you have like a 25% difference or you're having a 10% difference or 5% ranking difference, uh, I think that can help a lot as far as understanding should a meta title be structured you know, with the keyword on the front? Should it be have it in the middle? Uh, do we see it more of a user-based? Uh, so definitely SEOs should be testing and just recording as much as possible so that they can have a really good understanding of, you know, what works in Google's eyes or what doesn't work uh, and start to really model that as far as uh, taking that. Because that kind of, that's the starting place, you know, as everybody has mentioned. You know, even if you're doing something as meta titles and descriptions, playing with that and playing with the recipe and seeing like what changes and and how that is being affected, you know, are you more users clicking on that or not? Are not uh, and getting that performance right? I think it gets you know, into like okay, now if I'm going to create a model that's much much larger, it's really the same recipe. It's just on a larger scale. Always be testing. That's another episode in itself. I think. Um, Great advice. Um, thank you so much all for coming on. I think we should just finish off by just going around to our panel again and reminding people who you are and where they can find you. And feel free to share a website, social profile, whatever you want. So, um, Lazarina, please um, remind the viewer, the listener, um, who you are and where you're from. I'm panelist one. <laughs> uh, so I'm Lazarina Stoy. You can find me over at Twitter at Lazarina Stoy. My website is also titled lazarinastoy.com. Uh, so yeah, feel free to send over any other questions that we didn't answer. Superb. And Jess, please. Yeah, I'm Jess Peck. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JessTheBP. I tweet way too much. Um, but also you can find uh, my com- the company I work for at localseoguide.com. And we actually have uh, links to some... Uh, forecasting code that you can plug your info into and do some forecasting with on the site. So uh, Lazarina talked about forecasting earlier. If you want to give it a whirl, we have some stuff for that. Wonderful. And last but not least, Susan. Perfect. Um, I am available. I'm Susan Connolly. I am available at Biz Develop Wiz, actually, just B I Z T E V E L O P W I Z on Twitter, as well as you can find Mike more information about our company, milestoneinternet.com. Lovely stuff. Thank you, Susan. I've been your temporary host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts and video shows for B2B brands over at castingred.com. Join us next Wednesday, not next Wednesday, for the next session on Wednesday, the 8th of June. Uh, That's when it is. On um, 8th of June at 5pm at BST, that's 12pm Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, We will be discussing strategic alliances. Dixon Jones should be back in the host chair for that one. And joining him will be Jean Lachapelle and Melody Sinclair-Brooks from Agency Analytics. Sign up, sign up to be part of the live audience for that one over at majestic.com slash webinars. But thanks so much um, for the panelists. Thanks um, so much for you and uh, for being part of um, today's show. Bye-bye for now.